0: Two humorous nurses would like to acknowledge the true custodians of the land in which we record our podcast, the Yorta Yorta people. We pay our respects to elders past and present and extend our respects to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders listening today. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. This episode comes with a trigger warning. We discuss sexual assault, domestic violence and human trafficking. Please use your discretion if this episode is for you. There will be links to resources in the show notes. Nurses with Kelly and Alicia. Podcasts that can handle the trauma dumps. Welcome to Two Humorous Nurses where we plan to bring you funny, informal, conversational chat about all things nursing. Today I'm flying solo because Alicia's singing her heart out as Dragon in the Shrek musical and she was amazing. We saw her last night. Um, but I think this guest that I've got on today, I we actually started talking over a year ago and try, tried to record it then and... Just didn't happen, but we're here now. So um, we started chatting on Instagram and she's managed to con me into going to Bali with her at the end of this year. Um, you might recognise her as Off the Clock Nurse on Instagram or TikTok, but Leah is a sharer of funny TikToks and memes, an expert guide on travel nursing in the US, and a passionate about her role as a forensic nurse examiner, sexual assault nurse examiner. Um, and she also provides heaps of um, informative educational TikToks on the subject She loves to travel and most recently went swimming with orcas uh, which really allows me to live vicariously through her because I just sit at home all the time. Um, So I'm really excited about this chat. Welcome Leah.
1: Thank you and look you don't have to live vicariously through me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know I'm so excited about Bali but we'll talk about that later or we'll just get stuck here for ages. (laughs) Generally we always start um here but like tell us about how and why you became a nurse oh
1: you know it's really funny everybody has that story of like oh well I just wanted to help people or they have like some personal story honestly I um when I was a kid my dad was a doctor and he would take me on rounds with him sometimes Um, and if there was an emergency, he would sit me at the nurse's station. And so for the longest time, I thought nurses just ate candy and played games because that's (laughs) what the nurses did with me because I was a kid. Um, so little did I know there was going to be so much poop involved, you know, (laughs) Um, so much, so many bodily fluids. Um, so I honestly didn't know what I wanted to do and, um and it turned out to just be like my parents saying choose something and I was like well just I'll be a nurse and that's how that is the literal story of how I ended up in nursing school Mm -hmm. and I, I didn't have this like I've always wanted to be a nurse thing it was just like oh I have to choose something and honestly it was I think one of the best decisions that I've made um, in my life, I mean, it's definitely hard work, but for how flexible it is yeah. uh, with your schedule and the different types of nursing and everything like that, it's, I think, one of the better career paths to take.
0: Uh, my, my story is almost similar to that. Like I, my grandfather was a doctor. Do you wish they had have encouraged us to become doctors? Like I often think, oh, why did not you know, because women were nurses in his mind. And I was like, oh, I wish he just said be a doctor or something.
1: I had originally gone into college thinking I wanted to be a doctor and then I was like, wait a second. My dad was always at work. Mm. I didn't want to do that. Yeah. (laughs) You know, know, to to doctors, but I was like, I want more time off. And then I was like, oh, nurses work three 12-hour shifts a week. I can do that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Very so true. I don't
1: work every day. I yeah, don't that's, that's, all right. that's not the life for me working every day.
0: No. <laughs> work smarter, not harder, hey? But <laughs> <laughs> so how long have you been a nurse and where like what did areas did you start in?
1: Yeah, so I have been a nurse for 14 years now and I graduated in 2009 and here in the US we had um, a recession Mm -hmm. in 2009. So it was actually really hard to get a job. Um, I think I applied to like 20, 30 different, uh, jobs across the U S and I got one, Mm. one offer. Um, and it was for orthopedics and trauma floor nursing, um, at a level one trauma center. And it was so it was so hard just we were so short staffed it was definitely not something I wanted to do I wanted to do labor and delivery or pediatrics mm-hmm. and adult orthopedics um and so after a year I went to the operating room because uh, I had a friend that actually went there and they're like the patients are asleep and yeah. there's no <laughs> <laughs> and I went and I shadowed there and I just transferred internally. And then after a couple of years of OR experience, I started doing travel OR nursing. And that was just because I wanted to move and I wanted to figure out where I wanted to move to. But then that turned into seven and a half years.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <And> <laughs> um, Because like the flexibility and the pay was just awesome. So, um, but then I got into this idea that I was going to leave nursing and become a travel nurse recruiter and work from home. And, and then once I actually started doing that, I was like, oh yeah, I'm working five days a week. And then sometimes more because nurses would text you on your days off or call you on your days off Mm. email things like that. So it's kind of like a 24 hour job. Um, shout out to recruiters. It's actually a really tough job, but then COVID hit and all of the jobs here like disappeared. It it was just a shit show. Um, honestly here, I don't know how it was in Australia, but here's, it was a mess. Um, and yeah. And so then I, I ended up going back to nursing and working as, um, still at home, but as a, a, uh, tele triage nurse. Um, and then, they thought I would go back to floor nursing yeah. for a little <laughs> in the middle of a pandemic, and I was like, I I made it like three months on a bone marrow transplant unit. I was like, this is really dumb. Why did I do this? Mm. I forgot why I I left floor nursing like a <laughs> very long time ago. Um, so I at the time I had already finished doing my um my sane program, my sexual assault nurse examiner program, um. And but I need to find something else. Mm-hmm. So now I'm working as an admissions discharge nurse. So I'm not technically a uh, bedside nursing, but I still have patient contact. And then I also work as a forensic nurse examiner and sexual assault nurse examiner. And they're both um, very flexible. One of them's part-time, the other one's PRN. So I can really get to create my own schedule essentially.
0: It's a nice place to get to um in your career after years of nursing to be able to do that to pick not that I do that you know I'm a monday to thursday in a day unit so <laughs> I don't I don't do that but I I was an enrolled nurse for 10 years which is I don't know what you call it in America but um like we have enrolled nurses and registered nurses and then you can um scale up into um more senior roles and um and I was an enrolled nurse for 10 years and then in 2010 I graduated from my registered nursing and it was the same deal as the global financial crisis here I couldn't get a job and I had to um, I missed out on grad opportunities and um and I it was a bit of like not what you know but who you know situation and I like managed to get into a grad program in a private hospital because I impressed the um my clinical educator at uni and um she put my name forward and and same deal. I did six months on an ortho ward and then I went to theater and I was like, Oh, I'm never coming back. Like <laughs> <laughs> I loved theater. I thought I would hate it. And I um yeah, I loved it. Spent five years in there and then <laughs> had a baby, which um messed everything up because the operating theaters days are too long and the encore was too much and went back to floor nursing and then um and then yeah, like the rest is history really. But it's interesting when you move away from somewhere like ward nursing to theatre nursing and I think you either love theatre or you hate it. And my grandfather was an orthopaedic surgeon and so he'd put the fear of God into me about it and so I was like, oh, I'm going to hate it. So I never did orthopaedics. I never touched orthopaedic theatre nursing. I did lots of ENT and urology and um, plastics. I
1: loved it. I loved it. mine, where it's mm. ortho, narrow, spine, and trauma. But honestly, as a travel nurse, they will throw you into anything, mm. and yeah. they'd say, you know, what, what are your specialties? What do you do? And I tell them, you know, like ortho, orthopedics, and all of a sudden I'm doing gyn.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> On the phone, googling like, what is that instrument? You know, yeah. and uh, so you definitely learn a lot um, mm. traveling. But it's it's definitely not for people who can't go with the flow.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I I mean I I've never done travel nursing, but I did do a lot of um, agency nursing where they send you to different hospitals within the city. And I remember just sort of being like, well, nursing is nursing. a patient's a patient. It's just learning the paperwork. and if you've got your basics, you can nurse anywhere and do anything. And I think in the operating theater, you know, the surgeon said to me when I first started, because I said, how do I know what to do? And he's like, you have to be one step ahead of me. I said, but I don't even know where you're stepping. And he's like, you'll (laughs) learn, you'll learn. And like he sort of, he said, it's like knife, fork, spoon. If I ask for a scalpel, I'm going to need some pickups. If I ask for (laughs) sutures, I'm going to need scissors. And like, that's easy if you know what the surgery is. But I remember one day we'd done a whole heap of, um, scopes in the lower abdomen and then I had to set up for something so I just set it up that way and they're like I'm not sure where you think they're like I can't remember what we were doing but I uh, it was like spleen or something and I set it I set the theater up completely the wrong way and everyone just lost it they were like no other way Kelly like where do you think it is and I was like I don't know because like in my head I was just (laughs) like I'd set the whole thing around the wrong way and they were like oh my god and I just in my head, I couldn't picture in the body where that organ was. And yeah. so when we went in, I was like, show me where it is in relation to organs, which is like a really fun way to learn when you're looking at the internal aspect of someone's body. Like
1: nothing yeah. looks and like
0: think, the textbook.
1: Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, whoever is your surgeon, whoever's in your room really makes or breaks the day. You know, oh, yeah. like, if you're like Ooh, I don't, I don't know what I'm, I don't actually know what I'm doing, but you yeah. have like great scrub tech or um, we have scrub techs here Mm -hmm. um, and or surgeon and they can come in and be like this is what I need and like show you how to do it the first time you know then the next time you're you've got it but um, yeah I do I miss I miss the operating room or theater Mm -hmm. I miss it so much and um, I actually tried to come out to Australia to work as a nurse and they (laughs) denied my nursing license Um, I was so pissed. because It (laughs) took me like three months to get all this paperwork together. I don't think they realized how hard that was. Um, I had to get a letter of recommendation from every hospital I had worked at. Oh, my um, God. At least three months. And I had been a travel nurse for five years at the time. Uh... The only reason they denied me was because I had, uh, they require 800, that your nursing school had you do 800 clinical um, hours. My college, my, my estate only required 765. And so that's what I had. So they denied me. They were like, well, you can pay like $6,000 and do our three month bridging program. But I even flew out to Sydney and I interviewed at a hospital out there and they were going to sponsor my visa and everything. I was like, you know what? It's fine. I'm just going to go country hopping instead. (laughs) How? all of this international travel started um of just like traveling for fun yeah Um, but um yeah so I'm still a little bit a little bit bitter um (laughs) Australia's board of nursing but you know it's fine
0: it's fine I just had to I just had to pay my board (laughs) fees so I was like oh which they put up during the pandemic thanks very much like middle of the pandemic and they're like oh we're, we're gonna charge you more to be a nurse Okay, you do that. <laughs> we None of us like them very much. Yeah. <laughs> um, Let's talk about the sexual assault nurse examiner role and the forensic nurse examiner role. I spoke to, um, I'm not sure if those roles in their entirety like uh, exist in Australia. Um, I know that there are nurse practitioners in EDs that are trained to do those examinations, but I'm not. Um, And, I I mean, I've had very limited ED experience, so there could well be those particular roles out there. Um, But I asked a couple of people that work in EDs and their particular EDs had nurse practitioners who do it. Um, But tell us about about what they are and, um, you know, why you decided to get into that area.
1: Yeah, so I... Actually, first, I didn't even know that this position existed. Like, this isn't something that we talk about in nursing school. Nice. Um, and I never worked in the ER. And so it's it's really not something that I was ever um, taught, right? And so it wasn't until I became a travel nurse recruiter, which, you know, I feel like everyone's, like, the, the path, like, was I meant to be a travel nurse recruiter? Absolutely not. I was terrible. I'm not I'm not. <laughs> Like, I don't know why I ever thought that was a good idea, but I feel like it was, I was meant to do that job just so that I could find out about this position. Um, because one of the nurses that I traveled, um, she was a SANE nurse. She was an ER travel nurse. And then um, she had her SANE, she was SANE A certified. And so when I first saw that, I was like, what is that? And I just started looking into it more and- Um, And then I talked to her about it. So when I decided to go back to nursing, um, I, I just it it was always in the back of my mind. And during COVID, because typically where you get these done at these um, forensic exams done is going to be the emergency room. Mm. And so um, during COVID people were so scared to go to the hospital because of COVID. Um, and so they would call the nurse line that I was working at and, you know, we would have to talk them through like, you know, what, do you, what should you do? And basically it was, you have to go to the emergency room, um, to have anything done. Um, but, I started noticing like the only thing I really knew about sexual assault or domestic violence or human trafficking was anything that I knew from Law and Order SVU. <laughs> I don't know. Yes. <laughs> Wildly inaccurate. <laughs> I don't <laughs> yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> But um, yeah, it's very inaccurate. Uh, so I actually, uh, the first person I had talked to, who had called in that was sexually assaulted, um and asking what to do, I gave her completely inaccurate information. Um And so I kind of looked into different programs, and I found a free program in my state. And it was all online, because it was COVID. And so I was like, yeah, I, I can do that. And, and I, you know, it was free. So it it wasn't like I was going to lose anything. Right. Um, And by the time I finished, it was a 64 hour online didactic. And then I had to go do an in-person clinical for two days. But um, it was just really, really interesting. Um, You know, all of these things that I had no idea and we're here working at the nurse line, telling people all of this inaccurate information. Mm. So, i totally forgot what the question was that you asked me <laughs> but, but
0: what do you, what do, why don't you explain like what you what the role does
1: sure so basically what we do um you can find a forensic nurse or uh, an ephony or sane that's yeah. what we do. sure um we're either in emergency rooms most often, or advocacy centers or sometimes STD clinics, things like that, places like that. And so if somebody has been sexually assaulted, um, they, they every every place is different. Um, they have to be within a certain day range if they want um, evidence collected, right? So what our job is, is we talk with patients, we let them know their reporting options, because in the US, you don't have to talk to the police in order to have a forensic kit done. Some people are just not ready to talk to police or come forward. But there's a short window of time mm. that you can collect evidence because that starts to wash away after yeah. time. Right. So, in some places, uh, I think the average for adults, it's going to be up to five days um, post assault that you can collect evidence. My hospital actually will go up to seven days. Uh, and then for pediatrics, um, so anyone who's like prepubescent, mm. it's three days um, post assault. So, We also will work with um, patients who have been affected by domestic violence, specifically strangulation. So we'll do the um, uh, swab around the neck for um, uh, like skin, skin cells, and then also take photos. Um, So any, you know, in like the TV shows or movies where you photo bruises with the ruler, that's (laughs) what we do. We, We measure out the... The bruising, the abrasions, and then we document all of that. We offer um, prophylactic medications. Um, so the main ones are like a plan B for emergency contraception. Um, we also do cover the three main STDs. Obviously, there's way more than that out there. Yeah. But uh, we cover trichomonas, chlamydia, and gonorrhea prophylactically. Um, because if it would be too soon to test for an S T D statistically, they don't pop up for like two to three weeks. Yeah. Um so we just prophylactically will treat that and then have them follow up at our clinic. And then uh we will also cover um give NPEP for H sorry, for HIV prevention. Um and then after that we give uh trauma resources mm. because we know that the trauma is going to stop just because they've come in and had this kit done. Um, so we kind of give them an idea of what to expect. Uh, but I think most importantly, we start by believing. So that's you know, something that I think everybody should um, go by because we're not their judge or jury, right? So um, basically, we're a person in this entire system. Sometimes we'll be the only people to say, I believe you. And I'm Mm. so sorry that that person did this to you because at least in our country, in the U S we're not very kind to people who come forward after an assault, unless you have full on visible injury. If you've had, if it was like recorded or there were multiple witnesses, right. It's always, uh, we'll prove it right?
0: Mm. Yeah. Victim blaming.
1: (laughs) Victim blaming. Yeah. So that is what we do.
0: I put a little question box in our Instagram stories the other day and someone asked like, what is the best and the worst part of this job? And I wasn't going to ask it because I was like, oh, that's a bit like, is there a best part? But I can see that what you do could be very impactful on that victim coming in in that moment. So, and I and I think you've put out lots of um, TikToks that sort of explain how your role as a sane and an FEN very well, and I encourage people to go and, and look at them because you do such a good job with that. But talk me through what you think are the best and worst parts of this job because every job has its <laughs> pros and cons, but this is a particularly um, difficult job, I would imagine.
1: I people I think assume that it's really tough having to hear all of these traumatic things that have been done Mm. to people. But I think in healthcare we hear traumatic things all the time. Yeah, so true. It's not for me personally, it is not always hearing these really awful things. Right. It's um in fact that's you know, one of my favorite parts of this job is when I first go in and seeing someone just like, they look like they have the weight of the world on their shoulders. And by the time I finish talking with them and doing this exam, they f- look a lot lighter. And I'll even ask like, how do you feel right now? And they're like, I feel a lot better, yeah. you know, because I you got the chance to talk to someone who is not going to interrupt them who's not, I'm not interrogating them. I ask them to tell me what happened, um, anything they can remember. And I let them know that it's a safe place, Mm -hmm. that they can tell me anything. And I have zero judgments towards them. Um, You know, like it's, I don't care what they were wearing or if they had how much to drink or if they even were snorting cocaine off a toilet seat, it doesn't. (laughs) like exactly doesn't matter what someone was wearing or what you were doing yeah no no excuse for assaulting somebody yeah. there, there just isn't so um that I think that's really not the hard part for me that's one of my favorite parts is knowing that someone needs to like they they want to say tell people what happened right that's why they're coming in yeah it's they get this off of their shoulders, um, and have someone not judging them. And so I get to be that person. Now, the hardest part is just the entire system in general. Mm. Um, and it's not just like our judicial, there's our judicial system, our police system, our hospital system, right? And there's so many people, the hardest part is getting over people's biases, right? And yeah. uh, and judgments. And so sometimes I'll even go back out and I'll have another employee that's there and they'll say, so do you think they were lying? Do you think they're, they're telling the truth? And I'm like, well, that really, it doesn't matter either way. No. my opinion on that means nothing just as your opinion on that means nothing like we're just here to do this job and you should just treat them with respect like you would anybody else like I think that's like my most my biggest pet peeve is whenever someone asks me yeah so like I just I literally want to say shut the fuck up yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> I can't um but uh I think that's one of the hardest parts or you know just our our police system, one of the the first questions I'll ask the patients, you know, especially if they have reported to police, um, you know, has everybody been respectful to you? Because there's a lot of times that Mm. uh, they aren't. Um, And that needs to change, because that's going to keep people from coming forward and or even going forward with the reporting. So, and really our main goal as the healthcare providers, right? The FNE the and same is to make sure that they're coming in at least to get that medical treatment, mm-hmm. right? Because if somebody's strangled, uh, you know, they have a chance of having internal injury. Uh, they have a chance of having um, prolonged uh, or um, delayed injury, right? So tissue swelling can be delayed up to 36 hours in the neck. Uh, you can have a stroke, um, mm. Up to six months after a strangulation, um, and so we just want to make sure that people are getting the medical treatment. and We want them to feel comfortable coming in, and know that they're not uh, that that it, it is a safe and open place to be.
0: Yeah,
1: um, and people who are have extra training um, to be able to you know to provide that. So, um, and even with our judicial system. I think it's only about a two percent conviction rate for yeah,
0: sexual it's assault. Yeah, insane, isn't it? There's a uh, my husband just showed me an article yesterday in Australia of a um, a person that had been um, arrested for assaulting someone, like assaulting minors thirty years ago. He admitted to it, but they he's not being charged. I'm like, he literally has admitted to it, but they're like. Hmm um uh, wow yeah.
1: well it, uh, a lot our system doesn't quite understand the difference between domestic violence abusers mm. and anger management and so when we talk about domestic violence or like intimate partner violence or sexual assault people think it's anger management and it's all about sex but it's but with both of them it's actually all about power and control
0: yeah and i think a lot of the time the people that are doing the investigating of these things the police and i'm generalizing big time here uh i mean they're the ones that are often carrying out a lot of this domestic violence and power play situations in the home as well so it's hard to change a narrative when you're in that position of power anyway like
1: yeah and i you know i've gotten some backlash um from people not understanding <laughs> I'm trying to say when I say not not all police are abusers, mm-hmm. but a lot of users are police officers because they lo- they thrive on that power and control. And what is a better position to have power and control than be a police officer? And that's why we see so many people who are abusers in high profile um, positions as well, like in our politics, right? I mean, mm. look at the politics, how many people who are on our Supreme Court right now that have been um, accused of sexual assault, our past president, right? Mm. Trump, <laughs> just compound <laughs> Michael for, for sexual yeah. assault. And, you know, and they still praise them. Yeah, right? Yeah. Raised, it's wild to me.
0: There's been so- a um quite a high profile case in Australia of a politician who has been um on trial just recently um for assaulting a staffer. And it's they they keep in the media they keep identifying it as like the Britney trial, but it's not her trial, it's his trial, like she's the victim. And like, unfortunately, because of social media and the media, the trial. Like he was, it never, nothing's happened to him because it was a trial by social media. So there was too much info out there and they just couldn't trial it fairly. And I was like, it's so frustrating, I think, because this stops people coming forward to even come to the hospital because they're like, well, no one's going to believe me. Or, you know, I I listen to lots of podcasts um, that talk to um, I just recently listened to one. Uh, it's a Aussie one called "The Deep," and she, Zoe Marshall, interviews these uh, amazing um, people from all different walks of life. And recently, she just has been talking to a mother of a um, whose partner or husband abused their child for like years and years and years. And and it was, you know, she walked in on it, and from that moment, this mum said. What I did in that moment I knew would change my daughter's life and, you know, like it's not hard to believe someone when you witness it, but, you know, what she did like to get her out of the house to make her safe. And and I think these people just, and the daughter didn't want to do anything because she'd been so Mm. groomed by her father that your role is so important. It being that first point of call in a healthcare system um, and you, I know you've put up, um, again, t- TikToks and stuff about how you've intervened with the police and making sure they do have respectful communication with these um, people. And I think that's so important to be an advocate. Like we advocate for our patients all the time and this is no different. It's just a lot harder because you're dealing with police. Are you getting sweaty armpits or sweaty balls walking to work in your scrubs? Well, every nurse needs a pair of scrubs that are breathable, super comfy and not clingy. Elite Care was designed by a nurse for nurses. They're 55% cotton blend, so they're cool and comfortable, durable and have plenty of pockets. And when I say plenty, I mean like plenty. Pen loops, chest loops, everything for like your glasses, your name tags and they have heaps of different designs. They're size inclusive up to a 5XL and have great colours. E-Nurse have a 100% satisfaction guarantee, free shipping on orders over $150 and are packed within 48 hours of ordering. And they literally have everything you could ever need to do your job. Head to www.enurse.com.au to check out their whole range of elite care scrubs. Don't forget our code nurses for a cheeky discount. E-Nurse loves our nurses. In um, Australia, we're quite a small country, but we have a very sparse um you know, scattering of hospitals across array like the little hospital I work in has a nurse-led urgent care Center um for like quite a large area and the we have had examples of uh people come in who have been assaulted um and we have no specific training for that. so what's like one important thing other than like believe them because obviously, well, I shouldn't say obviously, but, I mean, I obviously I would always believe them, but not everyone, as you say, um, does that. But what's, like, one thing or two things that these staff who aren't specifically trained can do when someone presents? Because there are lots of nurse-led um, emergencies or urgent care centres in Australia because of our, you know, very broad <laughs> population.
1: Yeah, you know, I I don't know what your laws are, right, with reporting and evidence collection. So like here, um, in my in my state, right? And so in the US, it's like different per state. We actually in my state have three reporting options. So it depends, do they want to talk to police or do they not want to talk to police? Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have someone that's coming in and they want to talk to police and they want to file a police report, um, I would definitely reach out. And if, you know, it doesn't matter if they're intoxicated, some, some of them will, will be like, well, they're drunk or they are having a mental health um, crisis or anything like that to say, like, it probably didn't happen because of A, B or C. Right. Mm. But that's not for them to decide like that. They, that's the whole reason of an investigation. Right. So, of that investigation is evidence collection and so uh do they have a kit available and inside that kit the forensic kit are swabs um and so that's what we do we'll swab certain areas so basically they'll tell me their what happened and from what they can remember is where i'm gonna um try and collect evidence so if they say and this is a big trigger warning Right here. If someone says, well, they, uh, I remember they put their mouth on my neck. Okay. Well, I'm going to swab the neck and try and look for saliva. Well, they ejaculated, uh, inside of me. Okay. So I mean, either way, I'm going to go ahead and swab, do a speculum exam and swab internally. And I'm also going to do external, uh, vaginal swab. Um, well, he grabbed, you know, my thigh and he squeezed it really hard. So I'm going to swab that thigh and look for skin cells, right? Skin, saliva, um, semen is what we're looking for. Um, or anything one time I found like a drop of blood on somebody, Uh. somebody's the the guy had like cut himself on something. And so, you know, swab that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think, um, just doing uh, an exam, if they don't wanna to talk to police, depending on what your um, laws are there, if they don't want evidence collected and they're just specifically there to get medical treatment, you know, um, doing the uh, the prophylactic medications, having resources available so that they can have that post-trauma follow-up, like are there advocacy groups? Um, do they, you know, do they have a safe place to go? Is mm-hmm. Was this an intimate partner that assaulted them or, you know, are they, are they scared to go home? Do they have a safe place to go? Um, do you guys have safe houses? Um, do they have someone to stay with? Do they have a support system? Uh, so, and then also doing, you know, either way, if they want evidence collected or not, it's still good to go ahead and do like an internal exam. I can't tell you how many, condoms I have found in Mm -hmm. internally that were left internally. Um, and, you know, and if that gets left there for how long Mm. then, um, get an infection or become septic and, you know, so we just really want to make sure that we're, um, covering them medically. Uh, but it really depends going forward from there. Um, whether you take photos or swab evidence, it really depends on, uh, the the policy, the protocol, and and what your laws are there, um, and so I think that's really important for any hospital to have because, yep. you know, it's when it does happen, whether it's frequently or infrequently, when it does happen, it's really important um, for that that person and the community.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure we have guidelines to follow. But as far as kits and things like that, I'm not sure um, what we do. I'm actually, it's a good thing to, I think, if you work in a a smaller urgent care or something to have a look at. Because I remember when I had my first um, motorcycle, not motorcycle, like motor vehicle accident person come in and like the night shift nurse came on after me and she's like, did you collect bloods from the driver? I was like, no. Like I didn't know I had to. And she's like, no, you have to collect bloods. And I was like, okay. Like, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I had no idea. Like, it was just, and it was so obvious afterwards. And she was like, oh, no, you need to look here. Like, there's this, you know, protocol here. And I was like, oh, I did not even know that. Like, I was literally just treating their medical. And like not even the doctor said anything when I rang him. But anyway, these things happen. Um, let's do a bit of a, a shift because you've given heaps of information and I, I really do encourage people to go and check your page out um, because you're, um, and I say TikToks, but it's not TikTok as in like silly things. They're like really informative and I you even put one out today which was um, really informative about why people, you know, once they start the healing process, just don't get over it. Like it's so just trauma in general. Not necessarily even from sexual assault. I think it's relatable. But speaking of TikTok, like your social media uh, presence. I mean, that's how I found you. Just scrolling on <laughs> Instagram. I find a lot of people just doom scrolling on Instagram. Um, you have how many? You've got about twenty-four over twenty-four thousand followers on on Instagram. What uh, got you into into social media? Like, how did you find? the transition into that space
1: um I feel like I was one of the OG Mm. um travel nurse influencers (laughs) on Instagram when that was just starting to be a thing um and so I yeah I was just traveling I would do my 13-week contracts and then take a month off and go country hopping and I just would start sharing stuff on there because so many people mainly my friends would just say, you know, oh, uh, I'm gonna go to that country. What did you do when you were there? Um, Or where did you stay or things like that? So I just started kind of writing, like documenting it. Um, and, And then from there, it just kind of grew. Uh, and now it's taken a shift, uh, from travel, travel nursing, which I do still talk about, but I feel like there's just such a lack of information on, um, sexual assault and domestic violence mm-hmm. and human trafficking, um, that I really wanted to kind of shift it, uh, towards more towards that information. So it's definitely not for everybody, but, uh, well, I mean, it is for everybody, Yeah. But- <laughs> Some people might choose not to listen to it uh, because it's not really a super bubble, mm. you know, <laughs> happy topic, but is something really important. Yeah, um, definitely. Because every single person, whether you know it or not, knows somebody who has experienced sexual assault or domestic violence.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which is really sad, to be honest. Um, I think... I'm not very good at social media so I'm super glad that I lived my life free social media <laughs> and so I was well and truly an adult by the time um you know like my 10 year olds out there that's what she came to say when when we first started she came to the door and she said I found a filter that changes my eye colors I'm like <laughs> oh my god <gosh." laughs> like like she's all over TikTok um she doesn't post anything. She makes them, but she, you know, like we're very safe. We have lots of discussions around social media and safety and kids. And because obviously it's a horrific place for children. Um, I mean, it's hard enough for, for us. Um, Thankfully my platform with um, two humorous nurses is pretty chill. Like it's pretty nice. We don't get very many negative comments or Anything like that? How do you handle the pressure of social media? Because I'm sure you get a fair bit of lashback given your content that you put out yeah. there.
1: Before I used to try and change people's minds. And then mm. I realized that's not going to happen
0: uh, through no. social
1: media. Most often, they're just like keyboard warriors, right? Yeah. So um, now if someone sends something nasty to me, I literally will just block it. Um, because I just, I don't have the time or energy uh, <laughs> to to focus on them. And you really are not going to change their minds.
0: No. And I feel like those people that comment, like, it's just such a waste of your, of your energy and your, your space because those sometimes those one negative comments are enough to like drown out the 15 really good comments that you've, you've gotten. And I, I really do feel like it takes a lot to be i don't know stable on social media like <laughs> with mental health um you know like i we've we've we don't try and put too much out there, especially politically or anything like that on our platform because firstly, I don't think we know enough about it and and it's not really our place to do that but what we try and share is is fun and and upbeat and you know like this podcast is just to look at the lighter side of nursing rather than educational or anything like that and and I feel like you you have a really good way of mixing both the light plus the heavy. Um, and you do it in a way that's easy to watch and listen to and is educational and accurate. Like, I think there's a lot of people out there putting inaccurate messages and and stuff because there's no policing anything.
1: Right, right. And I think it is, um, you know, for my topic, it is important to talk about political things Mm. because it, especially here, what's going on in the U.S. right now with all these abortion, -abortion anti-abortion laws, and, and um even even um, child labor laws are becoming more relaxed, and um, you know, attack on our our trans youth and mm. and LGBTQ plus communities. Um, you know, it's just I don't know. There's just so much hate in this world, and or in a, especially in our country, and um, and with you know. These mass shootings uh, that
0: happen,
1: and nothing ever changes because we just were so divided. And Mm. I don't know. I think I think what people don't realize. Okay, so I, I live in a very pretty liberal state, and. Uh, For us, uh, whenever there's a president that gets elected and if they're a Republican versus Democrat, so if a Republican uh, president gets into office, they immediately sign uh, this bill that makes any federally funded hospital um, healthcare worker, which is where I work, we are not allowed to talk about uh abortion access. So we we can't talk about it. We can't even, we can't provide services, we can't no. offer any of that. But when the Democrat president gets yeah. in, they sign it. Yeah. It's so weird because we're like, are we allowed to talk about it now? Uh you know, mm. like then, then you can get in trouble, right? It's yeah. it's the law. Yeah. So and right now, you know, and there's no even they keep saying, well, there's no exceptions for sexual assault, you know, pregnancy with sexual assault, and or some places they do say that there it there's um like I think in Utah maybe there's a sexual assault um uh what is it like exemption uh mm. for abortion, but I'm like okay. So how how do you go by, about doing that? Well, it takes away their option of not reporting. First off, it's they have to now mandate if mm. they want to get an abortion that they were sexually assaulted, and then and then what? Like, how do you prove? <laughs> yeah. how do you prove one way or the other. You know, there it's just. I don't know. So, I do talk about politics. Whenever I do talk about politics on my page, um, I see this mass accident.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, uh, but you know what? It's like whatever, because it's important. It, yeah. It, it really and I don't think people realize here just how much it does affect a huge majority mm. of people. It's just they just don't care until it happens to them. To
0: them. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's what, you know, my husband gets so mad at me because I'm not political, politically minded at all. And he's like, but it affects you. And I'm like, well, not really. And he's like, but it does. And I'm like, yeah, I guess indirectly. But, I mean, in Australia we certainly don't have anyone policing it. Well, not yet. I suppose shit, anything can happen, can't it? But no one's policing our Bodily, like, rights mm-hmm. to, to things like our healthcare system is pretty, uh, on the whole, pretty good. Like, there's no one telling us we can't do things. Um, yeah, that can change, obviously. You have two other aspects of your social media, which, um, I love, and that's Dakota, your dog, who plays the management role on almost a lot of your TikToks, <laughs> which. Every time you involve it, it makes me laugh so much. <laughs> and your houseplants, which you've just started to make a feature, which I really enjoy because I have like a black thumb. So I don't, I kill cactuses. Like that's how bad <laughs> I have fake plants. So
1: <laughs> I have so many plants. A couple years ago, I had a fungus gnat issue and I oh. changed the soil and then I quarantined them in my bedroom. And then I started with this chronic not chronic cough, but this cough that lasted like three months. And I went to the doctor, and it turns out I gave myself a fungus infection.
0: In oh, my from your plants.
1: I had like 30 <laughs> plants in my tiny ass room with the door closed. It's like wet soil, the fan going. I gave myself a fungus infection in my lungs. Um, so don't do that. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of plants, but you need to space them out apparently <laughs> um, and have good filtration. So I have a couple of air purifiers in in my uh, apartment now. But yes, my, my plants, um, you know how they say like when you're sexually frustrated, you chew ice? Thing. well my thing is I buy plants and so this is like
0: when you go away on your holidays do you have to pay someone to water your plants and look after your dog yes is that yeah
1: I'm lucky I have an a great neighbor across the way and she will come over and
0: oh, uh, she nice. takes my dog,
1: watch it comes over and waters my plants and <laughs> She is also really into plants, so
0: oh, that's a bonus. T- yeah,
1: we trade off um, on each other's plants. <laughs> that's good.
0: Now, traveling obviously is a big part of your um your story, and we're going to Bali in September. You're hosting a trip full of nurses, and I'm a little bit scared because, and I laugh when I say to people, "I'm going to Bali with." a bunch of american nurses and the running joke in australia is that americans are the worst people to travel with
1: so bad we're so bad Uh, no i think a good group i think like the group chat that we have going i i think they're pretty good so we'll see this is definitely the first time i've traveled with people that i you know i don't know Mm. i usually travel by myself or i'll go with a friend um, and I'm typically more laid back. And so, cause I, like, this is going to be so different for, for me because I usually sleep in like the dumpiest places yeah. <laughs> or like, I'll just like go hop on the back of a strange person's moped to get around and then just like, you know, yeah, throw a few- and, um, but this is all like planned out and, and, uh, and with a, a you know, group that of people that I I haven't met. Um, you know, I've just met through social media. So mm. so
0: I think it'll be a good time though. I don't know. Are you gonna get a tattoo? Uh well I made a promise to myself at the start of this year that I would get no tattoos this year. So <laughs> <laughs> I I I don't know. So the funny <laughs> thing with the, with Bali is Australia Bali is like Australia's little playground because we can just go there so cheaply and so quickly. And I'm from Western Australia and a lot of people in Western Australia go to Bali uh, all the time because it's it's only a couple of hours and it's, like, super easy to get to. And I, I was listening on the radio the other day and they were talking about how Bali are going <laughs> to put out a travel card to Australians when you come with, like, do's and don'ts because we go over there and we get really drunk and rowdy and, <laughs> and just... They're, they're like, this is what you shouldn't do when you come here anymore, people. And um, and I've never been to Bali. Like it's my friends and I tried to plan a group trip a few years ago. or I say a few years ago. This was pre, like maybe 20 years ago. God, I'm old. And we never made it. So I'm like very excited. I also never travel with people I don't know. I've never traveled in a group this big. I've never been on a guided trip. I love being alone. So I know there was talk about, like, let's go to the swings. I'm like, I'll stay at the pool. Like, <laughs> I'll wave you off and welcome you back with a drink. <laughs> I'm like, but I'm excited to, like, I think when you put nurses together, like, we all have something in common. And I think in that group chat, everyone does something different. So it's trauma. Yeah.
1: That's trauma bond. That's it. it yeah. <laughs> We'll just be trauma-dumping this entire yeah. trip. Yeah, exactly. Um, Laugh. Um, no, I think it'll be a good time. There's people of all ages. Mm. And I was a little worried at first the, when people were signing up. It was, like, um, all – was it, like, 35 to 48 women, you know, age, age range, and then uh, all female, and then um, – one, what is it? 29 year old guy. Oh, <laughs> Oops. <laughs> like, oh, I was like, Hey, you know, um, we're probably, we all have lower back pain and we're probably going to be asleep by nine, but, um, uh. <laughs> Now, there's like a few younger people coming, and I think it'll, it'll, it'll be like branch off. Like, there'll be some people that go out partying, yeah. and then there'll be like you and me that were like
0: in our pajamas. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, if we start drinking at lunchtime, and like we can have dinner and go to bed. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I am. Yeah. I'm really excited. I'm, I am very nervous, but I'm also just like, how bad can it be like it's not i did pay extra to have my own room though i'm not that adventurous (laughs) to share with a stranger
1: (laughs) i would too i think any group i have gone on a couple of group trips before and i paid for my own room and it was totally worth it um just because yeah it was just you need your alone time yeah (laughs) yeah
0: i see the um selfie girls just did bali recently too i haven't listened to their episode on it yet but i'm definitely going to listen to their episode before we went but their <laughs> their trip was a little bit more uh active i think than yeah, yours
1: because i was like there's no way i'm hiking up like i am i am such a couch potato like i just want to eat and relax. And when I did the survey, there's a survey that went out and it said, like, what are you most interested in? Uh, and <laughs> most people, I got like uh, maybe 300 entries, and most people <laughs> chose relax and eat. And I'm like, these are my people. These are the people <laughs> that follow me. They know me, they understand me. I have found my people. Let it go, relax and eat. Uh, and I'm down for that. So and I love
0: that we're going to like a coffee place to learn Ooh. how to make coffee I'm like yes we will be doing that.
1: <laughs> so no one's uh we're not hiking any volcanoes or anything but <laughs> we're having a cooking class. So, so. Yeah that's
0: exciting and that's what I like that's what I would want to do if I was going to Bali I was like go and to the rice patties and cook a like asian meal it's like perfect thank you for chatting with me today it's been so nice to get to know you a little bit more and meet you before um we actually meet you in september i am gonna bring like my um microphone and stuff on the trip so we can have like a drunken uh yeah so <laughs> we can do like oh do like a debrief or something like we could be like in the pool and just be like yeah, this will be good
1: <laughs> I would really love that oh my gosh that's, that's gonna be an incredible time and you know, there's a lot of I think there's a lot of people you know from the group chat that have um a lot of uh, you know like exciting and funny personalities so yeah. Um, have everyone jump in it's gonna be
0: yeah it's gonna be so fun where can people find you on social media plug your stuff i am on tiktok and instagram as off
1: the clock nurse and i am on facebook as off the clock
0: nurse travels i will link everything as uh, i usually do in the show notes um, you can find us at Two Humorous Nurses Podcast. Leave a five-star review on the podcast platform that you're listening on because your reviews help us be found by others. If you've got any funny stories or you just want to send us um, something to chat about, you can email us to hello at nurses.com. That's humorous like the bone, H-U-M-E-R-U-S. you got to help me say goodbye, Leah. You ready? Bye. Bye! Bye. <laughs>